to the first and who knows, maybe last in vino fab, 12 days of pod mess. Literally, this is 12 days of podcast series. We're going to test out for this holiday season each day in December up until the 12th day. We hope to offer short gifts and treats. What's up Patrice? What's going on today? So I was just kind of wondering like, you know, what kind of stories and fables and interesting facts, you know, are out there on the great wide internet about wine, because that's what we like to talk about. Mm -hmm. And so I did find a few interesting stories. Uh, One is actually about a study that was done where they tried to prove that wine tasters are actually easily fooled. And, you know, we have talked about the art of wine tasting and what it takes to gain that that ability to taste wine. And what these researchers did was they took a bottle of white wine and dyed that white wine red and said that they successfully successfully fooled students. And so these are not necessarily professionals. They were students. Um, however, you know, they, they claim that, um, they've also done this with cheap wines where they had a bottle of $2, you know, a $2 bottle of wine that people actually like said tasted better than the more expensive uh, bottle of wine. And this was done, uh, by the California Institute of Technology uh, way back several years ago. Um, however, they, um, you know, it's something to think about. Yeah, like dyeing it doesn't um, impact the chemical components or the taste of it at all. So according to this research, they, you know, they, they dyed this bottle of wine red, and then they gave the students a glass of white and a glass of red, asked them to take a sip of each and they all describe like the different grapes and tannins that they could taste in each glass only in they were both glasses of white wine so that that you know that, that uh the, the visual right like yeah you know, visually seeing the red um so it would be interesting yeah right to do like more of a blind test where they couldn't actually see the color to see if that had any impact All right, so fun fact about uh, wine tasting. So the blind tasting, it's supposed to be, um, this is when the tasters don't know the identities of the wine. So that's essentially they cover up the labels, like you said. And the theory behind this is to know the identities that could, um, I guess, uh, offer prejudice to the tasters to prefer or dislike a particular wine. So instead of asking about its reputation, they'd say, what's in the glass. So they would taste something, a skilled taster could taste it and try to identify it. And they have such sharp tasting skills that they could say the region where it's from. And um, if you don't know enough about the wine um, and you don't see the label, then you, you would be able to describe the taste, the components. And then from that, mm-hmm. um, really skilled tasters can say the region, the country, the region, the area, um, the certain vine or wine culture. Um, but I think it takes a lot of work and I think it takes, yeah. I think it takes a lot of wine drinking to know. So if you're a student, you do study a lot. So that'd be interesting to see. They have competitions about this. Um, I know that they have tasting challenge and tasters, uh, wine tasting events for enthusiasts and those who are like studying and being a student of, 
of wine education um, and they have informal tastings, which if you're like us, you just like to drink it and you don't taste it. You actually drink the full wine, uh, the full small pairing glass of wine. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I could, I don't know if, I don't believe that would fool like a real sommelier, but maybe we're just learning. Yeah. And it's an interesting study on how like all your senses are involved. Cause there, mm-hmm. there was another story about how music impacted how people perceived a wine in that, um, well, some of the, some of the test subjects, uh, while they were drinking, they were listening to Tchaikovsky's Waltz of the Flowers, which is a subtle and refined song, mm-hmm. while others were listening to Michael Brooks's Slow Breakdown, which is more mellow and soft. And then they were asked to uh, group the wines according to categories. And they found that, which I'm not that surprised, you know, that the music really impacted the way people perceived the wine. And when they, um, you know, like if it was like more of like a powerful, heavy music, they might categorize the wines more as powerful and heavy versus like zingy and refreshing or subtle and smooth. So I think it's just another example of like when you think about you go to you go to a restaurant, right? Everything mm-hmm. that's done as far as the music that they select and you know, the, the way that the, the, you know, because I think that we talked, we've talked about wine glasses in different episodes. And I think that, you know, depending on the wine glass, if you have something that looks a little bit more fancy. I think it makes you think you're drinking something a little more fancy. I do. And I think pairing it with foods. Um, and if, if you really want to, like, let's say you caught the bug, um, I did. And I blame, once again, Cheryl, previous podcast, we'll link to her episode. Um, she teaches with the simplest of books that I ended up buying because I was like, why don't I have this on my shelf? Clearly. Um, and this is the Wine for Dummies book. Uh, fifth edition is the one I got off off, off the internet. And uh, there's a section in it, chapter 18 talks about continuing education for wine lovers. Let's say you're a novice, you're not going to become a sommelier, but they have um, amazing tasting experience and resources. So like masters-of-wine.org is an institute that's online that shares where wine courses might be offered locally near you. So this could be anywhere from um, a restaurant to a vineyard to uh, Trader Joe's to uh, an education school near you. So we don't always live with schools with wine, but um, that was one. And then in New York City, there's an international wine center, literally internationalwinecenter.com, and they offer programs of the Wine Spirit Trust. I want to be part of that trust, by the way, education. And so these are one of the leading educations that we will link um, that might identify wine classes or they may even have continuing ed courses nearby you at a community college, a university, or center, community center that you might be interested in. So I'm going to look these up myself. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, the other people that we sometimes don't think about are astronauts. And when they're enjoying their freeze-dried food, might they not want a tasty little glass of wine? Don't tell so me they have freeze-dried wine. In, no. Well, way back in the 70s, NASA was trying to figure this out and trying to figure out how they could uh, accommodate with wine. And, you know, they, of course, 
you can't send up a glass bottle of wine into space. So they did some different research and actually finally decided that um, the one wine that wouldn't lose its flavor after repackaging was sherry. Since it's a fortified wine and it's heated during processing, that stabilizes it so that even though you, like, you know how if you open your bottle of red wine and pour it, it destabilizes and doesn't taste good anymore. Mm-hmm. The sherry actually, you know, ho- holds true to its flavor and um, does not destabilize. So they poured it into little plastic bags and put like a little built-in straw so that all the astronauts had to do was squeeze the pouch and they could enjoy a nice sip of wine. Wow. So there you have it. Like, literally in, like, liquid format that was... Yeah. Cool. Yep. 